welcome back to the Dimers Basketball Podcast. We're back a little bit earlier than expected. Um, Amir, would you like to give the wonderful listeners a, a reason as to why we're back so early? Yeah, um, first of all, we are early birds. And second of all, we just, actually, we're not early birds. But in reality, we came back because Caleb called me yesterday and he's like, man, I miss them so much. I need to do another podcast. We need to start doing two podcasts a week. He begged me. He sent me a video of himself and he was on his knees begging me for pretty much two episodes a week for you guys. So are you guys happy? Good job, Caleb. Yeah, well, they should be happy. And they should know that I love them because... With us doing two episodes a week, we can now kind of break the week up into two halves, right? The two halves of the, of the basketball game. Great example. You know, right now is the first half of the week. And we're going to go ahead and break down what happened really from Sunday evening to Tuesday night. Last week was a fun, fun week. We covered two straight weeks for you guys. And this week, we're going to break it up into two. So let's start off with what happened on Sunday night. So the problem with us recording on Sundays is Caleb lives on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. You guys already know that, right? I can't record that late because Caleb has work in the morning. And then he cries to me about how he has to wake up early in the morning. We work. Some of us have have to work for a living, Amir. So what do you think I do? You, you think I I pick leaves off the floor? Is you that stream you Fortnite. Now that is a joke. That is a joke. But like Amir was saying... Can't really record. Our scheduling gets kind of messed up. So we kind of have to break it up into two halves, which is what we're doing. And I think, truthfully speaking, this is a great move for the podcast, the future of the podcast, the way we're going to go forward with this podcast. I feel like this allows it to reach its maximum level for in-season consistency. I agree. And that's why we decided, hey, we're going to bring you guys episodes every Monday and every Thursday. So we'll check in with you guys at the beginning of the week and towards the end of the week. Let's start off with what happened on Sunday. Stephen Curry dropping 62 points. Caleb, that was after all of the hate. We saw all of NBA Twitter last year during the bubble. People were saying Damian Lillard is better than Steph Curry. People were getting on their high horses. I remember a ton of NBA Twitter was just saying all these takes, right? And now a lot of that has changed, especially after the first four games of the year. Everyone's like, okay, the Warriors look like trash. Steph can't carry them once again. He's going to fake some injury, go out for the year. But, hey, he has looked good so far, and the Warriors are back on track. He dropped 62 points, and he was absolutely lights out. And guess who it was against? The Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard. You know what's crazy? Dame had 32 points that game, and nobody talks about it because, well, when you let the other guy give up six, go for 62 when everybody really kind of thought that Steph was done for, you know, he's 32. What is he? The second oldest. He's the second oldest player to ever go for 60. Kobe Bryant being the oldest by like six years, six years and like four months or something. It's kind of ridiculous, but Steph, I feel like has gotten a lot of hate, but what he did in that game was remarkable. I mean, that was one of the funnest games of the year so far. Granted it is early, but I feel like, at the end of the year, when we do our rundown, like our five favorite games of the year, I feel like that one will be brought up for both of us. Um, he really shut a lot of people up that game. And truthfully, he looks like he hasn't really lost a step, which, I mean, it was just a broken hand. It wasn't like a lower body ankle injury. But with all that being said, he looked really, really good. But somehow, some way, NBA Twitter tried giving Draymond Green more credit for that game. I yeah, don't understand yeah. that. NBA Twitter was going crazy for Draymond because they were like, hey – 
Draymond, what he does doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Look at it again. He had one point. Dude has had a combined total of 1.2 games. And again, Draymond's game is more of being that point guard playmaker. But let's not overrate what Draymond does and underrate what Steph does. That's kind of what happens a lot of times with, with NBA fans and with NBA Twitter. So I, I think Steph had a hell of a game. I mean, I was watching that game and I was shocked that Portland was not able to stop him. But then at the same time, I'm like, it is Steph, right? It, I, I thought they would throw some type of more defenders, something different at him. They couldn't do anything to stop him. And, and the Warriors were lights out that night too. I feel like when Steph gets hot, it kind of just turns into a game for the opposing coach. Like, well, he's hot now. So you kind of, you just kind of have to hope he gets cold on his own because you can't really take Steph out of the game. He can shoot from anywhere on the court. The offense really is ran for him whenever he's running around with like, like a chicken with its head cut off, taking all those screens and stuff. It's hard to stop. Like you can't really set up a defense for it. Just kind of one of those things we have to stop everyone else and hope that's enough. Yeah. And Honestly, the Warriors are playing really well so far. They've won their last two games. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a streak right here. They, they, they look bad to start the season, but now they're above 500. They're, they're one of the top teams in the West. So, hey, I, I don't think they'll keep up with that, but I think they'll make the playoffs like we projected them to be. I believe the Warriors will be a playoff team. I agree with that. Let's move on to... Our next guy that we talked about on our last podcast, Pascal Siakam. Caleb, he's had a lot of problems in Toronto, as we mentioned, right? And things have not gotten any better. Toronto is at the bottom of the East right now. What's their record right now? They're one in five? Very stinky. One in five for a team that a lot of people thought would improve, especially after last year and bringing back Fred Van Fleet, they got Alex Len, they got Darren Baines. I mean, th- these are not big name guys, but Toronto already had a good team last year and people thought Nick Nurse was a better coach than he is. Now, if Nick Nurse is overrated, that's kind of a topic for another day, but what, what do you think is going on with the Raptors right now? I, I have no clue what I'm seeing. I mean, I don't get to watch too much of them, but just from an outsider perspective, I watched one like bit of their game last game against Boston. And, and I'm, I'm sure you can speak more on it because you guys played them. But the commentators were like, Siakam made like this left-hand layup, right? And, and the commentators were like, let's go together. And they're like, that away, that away. Like they were cheering on Siakam nervously because you could tell they were trying to root him on like, oh my God, let's get this guy back on track. You know what I mean? It, it mm-hmm. was just a really off vibe. I could even tell from the commentators. Like you could feel Siakam's struggles from how they were speaking. Yeah. There was one play where Siakam had Peyton Pritchard in the post and they dumped it into him and Pritchard just backed up. I was like, do what you want. And he traveled. Like he didn't even get a shot off. And it's, it's amazing to me that he's taken this far of a step back. And in terms of, why the Raptors are struggling, I think a lot of it has to do with they kind of banked on Siakam struggling just with the bubble, right? Because before the bubble, he was averaging like 23. And like, but it's just like everything went backwards for him, which is very weird. Um, Lowry looks fine. Van Vliet looks fine. I think Van Vliet had 31 in that game. They both look good. But like Norman Powell, he isn't giving you anything off the bench, really. Um, Malachi Flynn, they tried to play a little bit. I think those were his first minutes of the season, actually, according to Raptors fans. And 
he didn't look that good. It's just, I don't know. I think it's a lot of it's just trying to incorporate every, like the two bigs that are new. Because Baines didn't look that good. He missed an easy layup. Alex Len, he's more of like an enforcer guy anyways. He's not going to put up big numbers. He's more just a tough guy out there. So they don't really, I don't know. It's just Siakam taking that step back. I really think screwed up a lot of what they wanted to do. Plus they have the most blown leads, blown 20 point leads by anybody through like the first five games of the season. And last night, well, last game when they played the Celtics, they went up 18 to five or something like right away. And they, because they started six of seven from deep and then they couldn't hit anything the rest of the game. Like they shot, everything was just off. It was weird, man. And I wonder how much of that really falls on Nick Nurse. Um, and, and the players aren't really going to blame him, but you, you got to wonder at this point because of his relationship with Siakam, they do not like each other. That's apparent. It's obvious just from an mm-hmm. outsider's perspective. I'm sure Raptors fans know more on the inside as far as how that relationship isn't good. Yeah, I, I will say, though, that they have taken accountability. Fred Van Fleet said after their last game against Boston that this is uncharted territory and he said he's never been a part of anything like this, but he said no, no one's going to come save them and that they got to do this themselves. Nick Nurse said the same thing. He said it's on everybody, including himself. And he just said that they're not guarding. And, and Kyle Lowry spoke a little bit. He also said that they need to get a little bit grittier and, and tougher. So I think they're all aware of, of the way they're playing. And, and that's good that they're holding accountability for it. But at the same time, accountability isn't going to give you wins. You got to figure something out. And right now, Toronto has not looked great at all. They, they haven't looked good. If we're being honest, they have not looked good. And to me, they might have to make a change this year. Masai Ujiri might look at someone like Pascal, and, and he might have to look at someone like Kyle Lowry and be like, hey, what can I get for some of these guys? Yeah, I, I agree. I would bet on them figuring it out, but like the more this goes on and they keep struggling to hold any sort of a lead, it's like the more likely it is that one of those two guys gets traded. It would suck to see Lowry traded because I do think he's probably the most important Raptor ever to to some of the fans up there. He got them their first championship. I know Kawhi was there to help, but he was kind of there, grew there, developed there. Seeing him get traded would really suck, but it's one of those things where it's kind of time to maybe move on from that era. I know that sounds insane to think about because they just won a championship two years ago, but like Siakam isn't that young guy they thought he was. They just gave Fred Van Vliet all that money. It's time to let him take that next leap. You know what I mean? In terms of responsibility and everything, maybe they do look to trade away Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline this year. Yeah, I could see that happening. We don't know if they'll really be able to figure it out. I'm sure they will, like you said, but if they don't, Toronto's in some uncharted territory and they're not going to be where they want to be come playoff time. Let's go to our guy that we spoke about 15 minutes on, Marvin Bagley and his father. And and it, I guess there's a surprise other father involved in here. Caleb, did you see who that was? Yes, that was De'Aaron Fox's dad. What a, nice little, what a nice little uh, drama series you guys got going on. with. Yeah, that. Imagine this. Like you said, we got our Westbrook and Durant, according to Dave Yeager, however many years ago, three years ago. Well, imagine Westbrook and Durant at their time having beef with their families having beef. Like mm-hmm. It's just, it's ridiculous what the Kings have. It, the Kings drama is just like, it's it will surprise you, but it never surprises you as a Kings fan that there is drama. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many parents in the NBA actually don't like their son's teammates because if you think about it, 
the NBA for especially like the young guys, it kind of is like a like the highest level of AAU basketball. You know what I mean? Like just in terms of like parents saying, well, my son should be playing more than their son. It's just I wonder how many of that actually goes on that we don't see put out on social media, like what's going on with the Kings. It's actually kind of unique to see. And I'm, I don't want to say I'm enjoying it, but I'm just curious to see like how this. Just all, say you're enjoying it. Kelly. No, I'm not because I'm not enjoying it, but like, I'm kind of curious to see like what the end game is here. You know what I mean? Like, see, what but, are the Kings- here's, here's my rebuttal to you. You're saying you're not enjoying it, but I know you are enjoying it because think about it from an outsider. I would love to see this. This is good drama. Like this is good it for is. our podcast right now. It is good <laughs> drama. People think that we're only talking about this because it's the Kings. No, this is one mm. of the hottest topics right now on sports and as far as basketball. And it's not as far as winning or, or the Kings franchise, but it's just such an entertaining story. And just to recap, for those of you that don't know, I'll start it with how this all started. Marvin Bagley's dad has been upset lately about Marvin Bagley's minutes. Decided to go to Twitter at first after Marvin dropped 18 in the first half. Didn't see any of the fourth quarter. Only played three minutes in the second half. And his dad goes to Twitter and says, since when does Marvin Bagley get treated like this? Something along those lines. Moves on. Everyone was like, okay, we won. The Kings won that game. And he decides to tweet that. Very selfish. Odd, but whatever. Move on. The next game against the Suns, he gets benched again in the fourth quarter. And guess who decides to go on to Twitter? Yep, you guessed it. Marvin Bagley's dad. And he says, Dear Sacramento Kings, please trade Marvin Bagley the third. Love, Coach Bagley. On that Twitter account. So the next day, guess who decides to jump into this Twitter argument? After three months off of being not on social media, De'Aaron Fox's dad, Aaron Fox, decides to say, trade him. Then De'Aaron decides to go on Twitter and says, Jesus Christ. So that's where all the drama started. Caleb, we both haven't heard this. Let's go to what De'Aaron Fox had to say about this whole situation on All the Smoke, our rivalry podcast. Now follow me with this, because I'm not, I'm not trying to be messy, but I just want to get your thoughts. Obviously, with recently the Marvin Bagley father situation, and then, and, then, and then your dad says something. But, yo, when I read your response to what had been said, that I really couldn't stop laughing for like three straight. You just said, Jesus Christ, with the exclamation, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Now, we're in a new age, obviously, where, you know, I commend any fathers that have their kids back, and I understand the whole thing, but not I don't think dads, because they're new to the social media game, yeah. understanding the power they have at the palm of their hands. So they're tweeting right. things that they may tell your mom or your family, Marvin's dad doing what he does. How does that, how, how do you guys keep that energy um, out of the locker room and, and keep you, you guys on the same page because the parents think they're just speaking, but they're not realizing that what they're saying is going to go around the world and on every news station and get all kinds of coverage. Yeah, man, I told – I saw it 15 minutes after the tweet went up. Uh, <laughs> Jack, you see I his was, response? He just said, Jesus Christ, the next one. That yeah, shit I was, had I me did, I did, like, I did. What the, He's like, what the fuck is going on? Because, yo, I start getting – I'm getting tagged and shit. I'm like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> So I see it on Twitter and I'm on FaceTime. I was actually on FaceTime with my fiance at the time. I see that shit. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? I'm like, yo, now I'm about to be pulled in some shit that I didn't want to be involved in. So I, I text my dad and then I text the group with my dad, mom, and brother. And I'm like, yo, like, y'all can't do this shit. Because regardless <laughs> of regardless of if anything y'all say, motherfuckers not going to ask y'all. They're going to ask you. me about it. 
Right. And I'm like, yo, like y'all got to start thinking about me before y'all put anything on the internet. Absolutely. Exactly. And the thing exactly. is, like, I know my pops. You know, Mississippi, hey, Mississippi, born and raised. The okay. second he probably saw that tweet, he like, all right, let me let me tweet this shit. He did. <laughs> I know he did. He ain't think twice about it. Right. But uh, for your right. question, like with the locker room, we we said something about it, but like nobody's really worried about it to be honest. Yeah. You yeah, know, his yeah, parents, so. it ain't nobody. Nobody's thinking about that at all. Like, and people think you know I'm trying to do like um, I'm just trying to you know say it to the media, but like I told my people like yo, no one. Fucking tweet. Somebody give a fuck about that shit. Like, for right, right. Nobody right. thinking That's about that shit. We go. We we had a practice. We we had a game. Nobody's thinking about that shit. Obviously, we got an ass whooped yesterday, but we just got an ass whooped. You know what I'm saying? Fucking mm-hmm. Kelly ain't made it. And I fu- and me and Kelly played together. Uh, we played AU together. But Kelly ain't. Kelly's was fucking one for forty, and he hits four threes against us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just it was their night, and they played better than us, but. As far as that tweet, that the, the the Twitter stuff goes, man, nobody nobody was worried about that. There's no room for none of that in the locker room, though. Yeah, you know not, I mean? at it's, it's, not at all. Not at all. There's no room for none of that. And then then again, Matt, you know I'm gonna say this: shit, if, if Marvin didn't throw hands with up with uh with Dame, shit, ain't nobody better not throw hands. Everything better be cool in that locker room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's also you know like a teaching moment, you know, for parents. You know what I mean? Well, he had to pull up on his mom, dad, and brother. Like you have to realize, you know, although you may feel this way, it's me that you have to think about because your name won't be in the paper. They'll say, you know, obviously De'Aaron's dad, but it's De'Aaron that's in the spotlight. You know, and it's similar to criticism that that you know that that Lavar is taking because he's speaking on behalf of his sons, and his sons are like, yo, what the fuck? You know, people are thinking this is me, but it's not me. And so it, it's like you said, it, it, it's a new age. And I think this is going to become the new norm. And I'm glad you guys were able to put the fire out because you got to be able to block the good and the bad out in that locker room. Only the motherfuckers. I saw Luke Walton talk about it. I played with Luke. And, I mean, I'm old school, so I know the deal. It's All the outside ass. noise. <laughs> this nigga's crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> This dude is crazy. Hey, but, but, that, ain't, but that, that ain't even more. That oh, ain't even bad. Hey, that ain't even Bagley Ilmo though. Like he a laid back cat, you know what I'm saying? Like that ain't even him. Like I, that's the that's the little homie. Like he ain't even no, you know what I'm saying? Conversation a guy like that. I knew, you know what I'm saying? That it was all gonna it was all gonna go away. But just the fact that people on the outside, like y'all say, they got to pay attention to stuff like that because it right. can't affect a locker room. Not knowing if we would have won that game, shit would have been over. Nobody would have mm-hmm. talked about it no more, most likely. But right, we got blown out, and everybody think the chemistry fucked up, and now it's just a whole another thing that you got to listen to. There's De'Aaron Fox talking about the whole situation. And I got to give a lot of respect to De'Aaron for covering that whole thing up and really Mm -hmm. explaining. He pretty much just cleared everything up as far as his end. And he didn't have to, right? He wasn't even involved in it. And that's exactly what a grown man does. He pretty much also covered it up for Bagley too, because he was like, listen, we're all in the locker room. Like none of us are worried about that shit. Like that's big. And you know who does that? Leaders do that, which Fox, he's a leader. I, I like, that's the perfect way to handle that whole thing. Like he talked, he said, he talked to his parents about it, the locker room, they had a discussion about it, but nobody's worried about it. And that's the correct way to go about the whole thing. Can we talk about how Marvin Bagley approached it? Because we didn't talk about it on our last podcast. Marvin decides to go to the media the day after his dad tweets it. And the day after De'Aaron's dad tweets his tweet um, and says, Hey, before you guys get to the questions, um, if it's not about the game tomorrow, don't ask it. Like, I'm I'm just going to let you guys know right now. I'm not going to answer it. So don't ask it and just hold on to it for mm-hmm. now. Only I'm only answering questions about the game. 
Sean Cunningham and James Ham still pressed him on it. And, and if you listen of to those, both of those clips, expose Marvin Bagley. And, and, and it's kind of sad because Marvin isn't able to, you know, even answer simple questions as far as was that a distraction at all? He talks about Monday's game instead. Same thing with James Ham. He asked him a question, he talked about Monday's game. So Marvin avoiding it, that's fine. You can do that. But then at some point, look at what De'Aaron just said. And this is my argument to people that said, hey, well, Marvin avoiding it, that's fine. Yeah, it is fine. You're not causing any more drama. That's okay. But by not clearing that up, look what De'Aaron said. Yeah. His family, he said, look who has to answer the questions. When you guys say stuff on social Mm -hmm. media, I have to answer for you guys. Guess who has to answer for Marvin every single time? Marvin's like, oh, I'm not answering it. You guys don't don't ask me. De'Aaron Fox. Buddy Heald, you're going to have random guys just like Jermichael Green had to answer for, for Kawhi and, and why Paul George was missing off the backboard. You're going to have to have guys like Rashawn and guys like Hassan Whiteside answering for why Marvin Bagley wants out of Sacramento, why he won't talk to the media about it. Yeah, I just think like the way Bagley kind of just deflected the questions – I don't really hate it, but it's so simple and so easy to just end all the questions. It's just to do what Fox did. Just say, like, I talked to my dad about it. We're moving past it. You know what I mean? Like, just say say you talk to him about it. Don't say, just ask me questions. You know what I mean? Don't ask me about that. Don't ask me that. Like, it's so simple to just get the whole thing over with. Obviously, but him saying, don't ask me questions about it. Like, these guys are reporters. They have to have something to write about. And what's the hottest story right now regarding the Sacramento Kings? It's the father feud on Twitter. It's that simple. They're going to ask questions about it. They're going to press him about it. Do what Fox did. Shut the whole thing down. Just say, talk to my parents, talk to my family about it. We're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Even if it does happen again, at least it'll clear the whole, you know what I mean? It'll clear and all the smoke for a while. Is it, how sad is it that De'Aaron's dad was the one that tweeted, trade him, and, and Marvin's dad was the one that started this, and Marvin wouldn't clear any of it up. And guess who decides to do all the heavy work? It's De'Aaron Fox. He, he didn't do anything. He, it wasn't his dad that said trade him. It wasn't him that said, I'm not talking to the media about it. But guess who had to answer for him? De'Aaron. So when you do that, that becomes a problem in your locker room. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of stuff you don't want to have happen. So I get me, it. Marvin's young, but you he has to learn. Fox said that they talked about the whole Bagley situation. They, they've got over it, right? Like the locker room's over it. It is what it is. I wonder how Bagley feels knowing that the star team's dad just basically went on Twitter and just said, trade him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if he wants to act grown and say it doesn't bother him, it has to eat away at his head just a little bit. Like, man, you know what I mean? Like his dad might ruin it for him. Like his, I'm saying Marvin Bagley's dad might ruin it for him to the point where like everybody on the team has like a closeted feeling towards him that, you know what I mean? Like, and there were already rumors that just came out yesterday that, there are a few players that are upset with Bagley and not because of him, but because he's allowing his dad to do what he's doing, cause another mm-hmm. distraction and he's not doing anything about it. And his play, on the court, his play on the court is not justifying dealing with this much of a headache. It's, it's just not like he really, really has to open up and just be like, listen, you can't be doing this. Like you got us talk. And if he doesn't, then again, Kings are going to continue to have problems and, Honestly, I'm I'm kind of over. I'm honestly, hoping that if the Kings were to just dump Bagley, like we don't know what his value is. We, me, and you have discussed what his value is, if there is even any, what the right way to go about this is. But let's just say that they trade him away and they dump him for cheap. Do you think his dad wakes up and says, 
I pretty much ruined that whole that whole thing for Sacramento for him. Yeah. Do you think he's like they traded my son for this little stuff, and then he probably goes on a rampage. And it's what I don't want to see is his dad go on a rampage if he does get traded. Because if he goes on a rampage on Twitter, it's not going to be good. Or if he's but he's going to end up tweeting some some snarky shit like it's about time or some or new beginnings. Yeah. No matter what happens. Even if Marvin gets traded for a bag of chips, his dad's going to be like, this was such a wrong trade, but he's finally in a new home, in a fresh city, and, and he yeah. he's going to be a lot more happy about that. I don't think the Kings will do that because, again, we talked about it. Monty McNair right now, he has a guy in Marvin Bagley that has little to no trade value. Like, it's mm-hmm. very minimal, right? Right now, it's very hard to trade Marvin Bagley unless you're willing to trade him for pretty much nothing. Yeah. And, and and on the opposite side of that, you look at a guy like Marvin and it's like, well, if you don't trade him, yes, I've heard that his value is at its lowest. But I told Caleb this yesterday. I'm like, hey, what happens, Caleb, if Marvin Bagley, who hasn't been healthy most of his career, he just finished playing 82 games yesterday. So it took him three seasons to play 82 games. He just finished that. And what happens if, hey, Marvin Bagley gets hurt again? How yeah. bad does that hurt his value? Then at any point, does a team even trade for him? Do you even get a second rounder for him? Because not because of Marvin's talent, because Marvin still has hope and potential, but because of the baggage, because of his family, because of the fact that he hasn't improved, and because of the fact that he's always injured. Could he see any value at all if that happens? Probably not. It's man it's so risky right now with him like he has potential right like we just said that but like like you said all the stuff added on all the extra weight that he's having to carry right now it's not really good i would personally like someone brought it up would you want the celtics to pick him up and i was like no not really because while he is a big he doesn't really have a bankable skill that you can go to right now on offense he's kind of a ball stopper right low post ball stopper in 2021 like that's just not an ideal player to have on the court and on top of all that he's injury prone he has the the parent issue right now on twitter it's just everything added on we don't really have time for him to develop and we need him right now and with all that stuff it's just not a good idea i don't know about other teams but just looking at it from the celtics perspective like i don't really know what i would give up for him to be honest with you, like there's not much I would give up because what he is good at right now is exactly the opposite of what the Celtics need. And he's a hard player to satisfy. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. he's a guy that has an ego and he wants to be in the starting lineup, which I understand, but you can't be a guy expecting to be in the starting lineup just because you're the number two pick. You can't be expecting the ball just because you're in the number two pick. Marvin's success and what Vladi promised him, which I heard was ridiculous stuff, that's not the same front office. It's not the same Marvin Bagley that you drafted on draft night. It, it's just not. And, and Marvin has to understand that. Otherwise, he's not going to have much success for the rest of his career. And let's talk about someone who has having success. That's the New York Knicks franchise. The Knicks are looking good. And Tom Thibodeau is looking like a good coach for them. Caleb, what do you think about the Knicks start so far? They're at four and three. Nothing as far as like too amazing, but they're fifth in the East um, and, and, and they've played really well. More importantly, ignoring their record, they've played extremely well. I thought they, they had a tough loss to the Pistons, um, but they won three of their first four games. Lost to the Pacers and the Sixers, which are two really, really good teams. Stole one against the Bucks, and, and, and that's that one was 
a little bit of a shocker to both of us. We talked about that one. Yeah. They beat the Cavs again. They've been able to just completely own the Cavs in this whole mm-hmm. series. They lost to the Raptors, but then again, came, got their revenge and beat the Pacers. So they are looking good. Like, I, I get it. They've played against Eastern Conference teams. They haven't even played a West mm-hmm. team yet. But once well, they do get to the West, I don't think they'll have much trouble this year. Tonight, they do play against the Western Conference team. They play against the Jazz. And I'm kind of curious to see how they do. Right now, four and three in the regular season. Sure, people are going to say, oh, that's nothing really impressive. But Nobody expected the Knicks to be anywhere near this, right? But it, someone did say that it feels like every year the Knicks start out decent. And that's true. They do usually start out decent. But this year it just feels different. Like, RJ took a leap. Julius Randle was playing out of his mind. Like, he's playing, like, really good. They're getting contributions from rookies, right? Emmanuel quickly. He got his first – I think he got his first action last game. Quickly but he looks, looked really good. He looks very comfortable. He's a really good He's a really good point guard off the ball. He's an off-ball shooter playing the point guard spot, which is good because R.J. Barrett's a dominant wing, a ball-dominant wing. You let R.J. do what he does, and it's working. You let Julius Randle do what he does, it's working. Mitchell Robinson's making contributions, doing what they expected, a shot blocker. And then Emmanuel Quickly's playing really well. They're getting contributions from everybody, and we know that Tom Thibodeau is a decent coach. The problem is people weren't sure how he would coach a team that was kind of in tank mode, right? But with how they've been playing, I think developing-wise, he's doing he's doing good enough. I think RJ – now, granted – I want to argue on you with that just because I don't know how well Tom Thibodeau is as far as developing. I mean – No, no, he's a horrible development coach. Yeah, but, there are some good examples as far as stars, like like with the Derrick Rose. He, he Jimmy Butler. Jimmy yeah. Butler. But then – and I think he could do the same thing with R.J. Barrett. I truly think that R.J. and Tom Thibodeau are a good fit. But you yeah. look at these other guys, they're not getting much minutes. Kevin Knox is only getting 22 minutes a game. Yeah. Frank Natilakina is at 10 minutes a game. And I get it, he's, he's obviously one of the guys that I think they're kind of just moved on from already, but he's just still on the roster. Dennis Smith Jr., he's averaging 18 minutes a game. Nerlens Noel is at 15. It's not anything as far as uh, veterans-wise, like, too extreme because I don't think the Knicks have any vets that are stealing minutes. But I was watching a few of the Knicks games, and I noticed in the fourth quarter, it's a very Tom Thibodeau-like lineup. You have um, Austin Rivers, (laughs) R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, and then maybe a guy like an Alec Burks or – um, Emmanuel quickly, you have one of those guys, and there's not too many vets on this roster, which I think the Knicks purposefully did that. If, if, if yeah. you really look at that roster, Tom Thibodeau doesn't have much of a choice but to play his younger mm-hmm. guys, but also a lot of his younger guys are not very good. Again, we're talking about the Nerlens Noels, Dennis Jr., Frank Natilakina. These are all guys, this is the first team all hyped and haven't lived up to it. I agree, I just think. I think he's doing good enough. Now the minutes dis- like distribution thing, that's kind of concerning that he has these guys already playing career high minutes on back to backs. Kind of a, a little bit upsetting to see that, but I mean that's I feel like they knew that's who they were getting. Thibodeau has a history of playing guys absurd amount of minutes in close games. I mean, Julius Randle has three career games where he played 40 plus minutes. This year he has two already. We're seven games in. He's going to end up playing 15-plus games of 40-plus minutes. That's not ideal. But, again, he's got to play who he's got. 
And I think Randall's excelling in that. I think Barrett's doing well. Emmanuel quickly's coming on strong. I think they look good. Now, do they make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I doubt they can keep this up for a full season. If they do, that's awesome. But I don't think they will. But, yeah, I, I think the Knicks have been a pleasant surprise to start out the year. You ready to get yelled at by Knicks fans now, Caleb? Yeah, I'm ready. But you know what? No, I hyped them up enough. You guys can be mean to me if you want. But I, I did a good job. All right, well, get ready to be mean, Knicks fans, because you guys are New Yorkers, and I know how you guys are. Obi Toppin sucks, though. Can we talk about Obi Toppin? (laughs) I was just going to say, Emmanuel quickly has looked better than Obi Toppin, and it hasn't been close. And I don't know if that's worrisome at all for Knicks fans. We saw a little bit of, uh, of a struggle for RJ to start off his career, but he's had a really good year this year. I really don't think Obi Toppin's going to go on that route, but I hope for you guys that he does. He has not looked good, and I understand he's only played one game, but through preseason and through that one game, he hasn't played very good. I'm not going to be quick to judge. I think he has plenty of time to Mm -hmm. really get back to where a lot of Knicks fans think that he could be, but I just, from what I saw pre-draft, from what I saw in college, from what I've seen now – I don't see Obi Toppin really being an impactful player in the NBA as far as a guy that's a winning guy. The the thing with Obi was he was one of those situations where everybody knew he wasn't going to be like that good, but one team wasn't going to let him slip that far. And the Knicks were like that. They kind of got stuck in that position. It sucks that they got stuck with him, but at least they walked out of the draft with Emmanuel quickly. Like at least they walked out with something that can develop, become a good player. I think that quickly will be better in the NBA than Obi Toppin will. Sucks they couldn't do more in that draft with those picks, but I think walking out with quickly is a, a good enough thing. So, yeah. so I think it's something you could be happy with. I agree. My thing with Obi is just he's an undersized power forward. and those- He doesn't have a neck, man. He really doesn't have a neck. Like, if you look at him walking around, he just doesn't have a neck. And it's been it's been bothering me for a while. Like, I'll see how, like, and he walks around like this. And it's like, how do you – how are you – how are you like that? Like he, what is he? Six, nine, six, eight. If he had a neck, he'd be like seven foot tall. You know how terrifying that is, but no, he doesn't have a neck. So he can't be that tall. It's kind of weird to me. He, he might have the shortest neck in NBA history. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. No homo, because I had to say it. No, no. Take that out. I'm going to say it now. Pause because it had to be said whenever I'm talking about another man's neck, I'm just saying it is non-existent. What's next on the list? <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to segue from that, but especially going into what we're talking about next. Caleb, how do we segue into what we're talking about next? Because I don't know how to really do this. Next up on the chopping block, we're going to go ahead and tackle our NFL playoff predictions. Right? Is that what's next? Yeah, you want to explain to them why? You can't just throw at them NFL playoff predictions when we've been talking about N- Okay, now you got- Shut the hell up! All right, next up, we're going to segue into a different sport, a new sport. Now, this is the Dimers Basketball Podcast, but NFL playoffs are here, right? Our Raiders missed again. (laughs) We're used to it by now, but we still watch football, right? We're still football enthusiasts. We can't get enough of the sport. It's a great sport. We love it. Um, Playoffs are coming up, Amir, Saturday and Sunday. All right, Saturday, 105 Eastern Standard Time, the Colts. Play the Bills. Who do I don't you have? know what time that is specific. Can you tell me the Pacific time? What is that for you, like 10 a.m.? 
God damn, that's early. What? What's yeah, that's early. Who's playing? Colts and Bills. Bye. What are you saying? Bye. You got to pick one. I'll pick first. I'm gonna go with the Buffalo Bills. I like Josh Allen. He's fun. He's fun to watch. I'm gonna go Bills. Uh, Stephon Diggs, superstar. He was on one of my fantasy teams, and he's nice with it. Oh, he was on my fantasy team. Why don't we go and talk about my fantasy team? No, move on. I had the Next. league in scoring, and I missed the playoffs. Our commissioner rigged it. Daniels, I'm talking to you. Dude. So what we we're both going Bills on that game? Um, yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay, fine. 4:40 Eastern Standard Time. The Rams versus the Seahawks. Who do you have? This is a difficult one because the Seahawks look like butt recently and the Rams look inconsistent as usual. So come playoff time, Russell Wilson, I think, is going to be the guy in that game that's going to take over. So I think Russell Wilson's going to have a really good game and Pete Carroll is going to lead them and they're going to they're going to they're going to beat the little Rams again. But dude, Tyler Lockett is a virgin. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Seahawks as well. I just think Russell Wilson's too good to lose to the Rams, but I do like Aaron Donald, dude. Pitt, dude. Stop agreeing with me. See, this, this segment's going to the okay, garbage. Okay, I'll go with an upset. I'll go with an upset. The next game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Washington football team. I'm going to go with the football team. I, I want to see I want to see a team named football team beat Tom Brady because to me that would just be comic relief for the torture that Tom Brady had on the NFL, and I'm going to go with the Washington football team. That's my final pick. Submit. I'm going to go with the old guy who's a system quarterback, and I'm going with the Buccaneers. I don't think Uncle Tom will allow his team to lose, and there's no way they're losing to the Wizards. All right, move on. Okay. They're not playing the Wizards. They're playing the Washington football team. They don't have a name. I can call them the Wizards. I can call them whatever they okay, want. Okay, that's true. They should pick up a team eventually. But Well, I have to say Tom Brady over Bradley Beal, so move on. Oh, my God. Well, probably more dominant in his respective sport. Now we're on to Sunday, January 10th. First game of the day is the Ravens versus the Titans. Ravens want revenge because the Titans knocked them out of the playoffs last year. I'm going to go Ravens here. Why? Because Lamar Jackson's black? Is that no, why? No, because Lamar Jackson has to get that playoff win. And I think... Why does he have to? Because he's black? Is no, that why? He, so he has to prove himself, unlike a white quarterback? Who does the two that? playoff games he's had so far, he's been very underwhelming. He's not been very good at all. Why? Because he's... My God, he hasn't been good. He, he just he just stunk it up a little bit. So I'm gonna go with the Ravens in this game. That's that's my final pick. Submit. Well, I'm not racist, so I'm gonna go with the Ravens because I think Lamar Jackson is gonna prove that people think that he's had a rough year. Yeah, he has had a bad year, but people think that he's been figured out as a quarterback, and I don't agree with that at all. I just think his team around him is butt, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Dude, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson has something to prove, and he's not going to let himself lose his first. His his wide receivers are horrifically bad. Like, Hunter Renfro would be their most reliable receiver there, and that's saying something because Renfro is like our, what, fourth wide receiver? It's not Stop really talking about the Raiders. Move on. Well, as you can tell, Amir is emotionally hurt by the Raiders, which can you blame him? Stop that franchise lets, Raiders. Move on. That franchise lets us down every year. Hey, speaking of Raiders – Speaking of Raiders, a former Raider is in this playoff game we're talking about. Khalil Mack and his Chicago Bears take on the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to go, you know what? Screw it. I'm on the Trubisky hype train now. He's back. He's playing like a monster. I'm going to go with the Bears over the Saints, mainly because I don't like the Saints. I don't like Taysom Hill. I hate Taysom Hill. 
I hate the Saints. I hate Drew Brees. I hate Taysom Hill, but I have to choose them because <laughs> there's no way I can't choose the Saints in the playoffs. They, they're you, you don't think you don't think Mitchell Trubisky can take the crown from Drew Brees? No, I'm not taking Mitchell Trubisky. I'm not taking the guy that looks like a car salesman. All right, I'm, that, okay. that's not happening. That's fine. Last playoff game of the week is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers, aka the most overrated team in the NFL. Versus the Cleveland Browns, who are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2002, right? 2002, I think that's what it is. If it's not, oh, well, we're a basketball podcast. We're not football experts. We're just doing this for fun. I'm going to go with the Steelers over the Browns. The Browns aren't even going to have their head coach. He's out with COVID. That's like the worst injury to get in sports these days. How does the Browns not have their head coach? Because he got COVID. He's out next week. So they're not going to let him do anything? Their special teams coordinator is going to be their head coach. Yeah, that would happen to the Browns the first year they make it to the playoffs. I know, dude. I feel so bad. Dude, they went 11 and 5 this year. They're not, not going to stand a chance. And they don't even got fans. To... Oh, man. Oh, poor Browns. All right. Well, I don't feel bad because I'm a Kings fan. So, uh, you know what? Misery is company. So, I'm going to go with the Steelers as well. And I'm done talking about football. Move on. <laughs> football is good. Okay. Let's move on. To our basketball teams, let's get back into our comfort zone, Amir. Let's get back into our, our oh, home. I'm in the house again. Oh. Ooh, let's go. Okay, Amir. Talk my about Celtics crib. No, talk about your Kings first. Pump, pump the jam. Pump it up. Okay, I'll talk about my Celtics first, I guess. Celtics, well, we had two games. Pistons game and the Heat game. Won both. Two and O's since our last recording. Hell yeah. So, with that being said, we had two games. What, the, the Pistons and the uh, Raptors, the Craptors, if you will. We play the Heat tonight in like 27 minutes. Hopefully me and Amir are done recording here soon. <laughs> dude, but, it's been 37 minutes. You already know how this oh, goes. 37 dude. minutes, that's right. NBA, for some reason, lies about their starting time. But um, we trust Pistons, them? How? the Pistons game, Celtics won pretty convincingly. Uh, Tatum had 28 points and 12 assists with zero turnovers. If Tatum can continue that sort of growth on the facilitating end. Can I butt in right here? Do you what? remember the last possession of the Pistons for that game? Yeah. Yeah, do it was bad. What they, do you remember what they ran? Yeah. Dude, it was bad. They they didn't even get a shot off, really. The, the, the shot was a pretty much like a, like a logo three-pointer for Blake Griffin. And it, like, Marcus Smart didn't even, like, he just caught it. He didn't even, like... It was so bad, dude. Like that's your final. They had two point nine left, and they—that's what they got. Was that? I don't know what they run at the end of games. They did the same thing the other night, and yeah. it was thirty seconds left. I'm pretty sure, and they were down by two. Yeah. And they dropped an ISO. They cleared everyone out. They have Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant, and who else was on the court? I don't know. Point is, they had three guys that are proven guys at the end of games <laughs> anyways move on let's let's go back to something you are the mason plumley iso amazing plumley iso who does he think he is marvin bagley on christian wood but the way the, i don't why? know why is he making fun of marvin the the pistons uh i don't know pistons have a lot to figure out kellyan hayes went down with that hip injury come on go to the figure out. but tatum had 28 and 12 with zero turnovers that's really impressive um, then moving on to the Raptors game, kind of talked about it earlier when we talked about the Raptors, so I don't want to go in for too long about it, but Tatum had 40. He looks very comfortable in that number one role. He's kind of figuring it out. Like some nights Detroit, they were throwing 
a bunch of guys at him and he was facilitating. He was figuring it out against Toronto. They were giving him those shots and he was burying them. So I don't know. Tatum, Peyton Pritchard having a Peyton, career Peyton, Peyton, me, Peyton Pritchard, Peyton Pritchard, my most They're hated, my most hated draft pick the Celtics have had in a while. Actually, he's turning out to be very um, gifted. He's they, the Celtics call him Eight Mile. Um, he he looks good. What do you have against the Pistons? Twenty three points and eight assists. He looks comfortable out there. He does not look nervous. He doesn't look discouraged at all. He's doing his thing. I think he could be a very good player off the bench for the Celtics moving forward, kind of like a Terry Rozier role where he just comes in off the bench. But if that is what he's relegated to, I think he'll be fine in that. I don't think. I know he's an upgrade over Brad Wanamaker. As as painful as that is for me to say, you know who also he's an upgrade over the guy that I said wasn't going to be very good this year. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is uh, well, he's out now. He's hurt. But I I think I texted Drew like a like like three games into the season. I was like, dude, I'd rather just have Pritchard in over Jeff Teague because Jeff Teague he can't really do anything out there. And his floaters, dude, have you seen him take a floater this year? His floater, like he like waits until the defense is right on, and then he just, and then it just gets swatted back in his face every single time. And I'm like, God damn, dude, you have to be able to do something else. But yeah, Celtics this week two and zero. I'm happy with the performances from everybody. Jalen Brown continued his hot streak. Kind of fell off in the Raptors game. Didn't really shoot that well, but that was to be expected. I mean, he was lighting, like shooting the lights out for a while. But two and zero, I'm fine with it. Play the Heat tonight. We'll see how that goes. I'll talk to you guys about that on Sunday. And our Celtics crib. Amir, let's go ahead and move on to your Sacramento Kings corner. Yeah, let's go to the Kings corner. I'm, I'm clearly in the corner over here, if you guys can't tell. But let's talk about our Sacramento Kings. The Kings only had one game this week so far, and that was against the Golden State Warriors on Monday night. We talked about the Warriors game on Sunday, and they had a back-to-back that next night after Steph dropped 62 They had a back-to-back at home. And guess who they played? Our Sacramento Kings. The Kings got absolutely obliterated in that game. You could tell they were all out of sorts. Something is going on in that locker room. I wonder what it could be, Caleb. I have no clue. But, you know, something is clearly going on. The Warriors were dominant in all facets of the game. James Wiseman played a hell of a game. He looked like everything that Kings fans thought Marvin Bagley would be. Um, Fox was really the only one that played good, especially in that third and fourth quarter. When they were down as much as they were, he was stepping up and he was going down and and making buckets and still playing good defense and, and trying to be that leader. So he's a guy that I can't really complain about, but he healed has not had a great year so far, especially on the shooting end. I don't know how much you've seen of him, Caleb, but he has not looked very good to start off this year. Defensively, he's looked okay. He's looked locked in, but that shooting stroke is not there, and it'll take time. We know Buddy Heald's a shooter. Shooters always come around, but to start off the year, he has not looked good. Marvin Bagley, as we talked about earlier, according to NBA math stats, is the worst third-year player by far and one of the worst players in the league right now, statistically, according to the TPE. So, Caleb, what are your thoughts on that? As far as Bagley and and him being as bad as he is right now and uh, heels struggling, 
Bagley's also been the worst player on the Kings right now. Is he holding the Kings back, or is this just a, a struggle for him right now? When you look at a stat like that, how can you argue that he should be in in the fourth quarter, like what his dad is trying to say, like, play my son. Like, sir, have you looked at the TPA? Have you, have you looked at the math sheets right now? Bagley is ranked as, like, a bottom three player in the entire league, in the entire league, not just Kings, not just third year, not just West Coast, in the entire league. How can you look at that and have the audacity to say, I don't care, play him? Because if you say that, you don't really care about winning. You care about your son's accolades, which I'm sure that 80% of parents in the league, that's all they care about too, is what their, what their son's doing. But you have to, especially as a coach, Coach Bagley, I would expect him to be like, hey, you know, maybe having my son out there is not good for the, for the sake of the team. He's kind of ruining everything. But I don't know. Sometimes parenting gets in the way of that. And Do I you know where he even got his name from, Caleb? Yeah, his dad. Yeah, no. Do you know where the coach Bagley came from? Where? He coaches, he coached Martre's 12U AAU team? He coaches his son's AAU teams, one. And then, guess what else? He coached at Duke University for one year when Marvin Bagley was there. Really? So he coached there, yes. He coached there for a whole year at Duke when, when Bagley was there. And I wonder why. I know exactly how to fix Marvin Bagley then. Hire his dad. Listen, hey, when his dad was the coach, what was he doing? He was like the number one recruit in high school, number two NBA pick. Hire his dad. That's, his dad that's how you – No, you're wrong. That's how his, you fix it. That's how you fix it. His dad wasn't even his coach in high school. I Hey, listen, but he was coaching him off the court too. Listen, hire him right now. If you hire Marvin Bagley Jr. to coach Marvin Bagley the third, I guarantee you it turns his career around. You know what? When Seattle or Vegas gets a team, let, let, let Marvin go there. Let his dad become the head coach. We'll see what happens. We'll be talking about Seattle and Vegas in just a little bit, Caleb. All right, so the Kings play the Bulls tonight. They really have to bounce back and get a win tonight because their schedule is tough, Caleb. Let's look at their next Six games after Chicago. They're already on a three-game losing streak right now. If they lose tonight, they not only go on a four-game losing streak, but they play Toronto at home, Portland at home, Indiana at home, Portland at home, the Clippers at home, the Pelicans at home, and the Clippers on the road. So the Kings really need to get a win tonight. Let's just say that. And as far as if you're on the tanking wagon like me, Let's all hope Zach Levine drops 50 tonight because I know he just made the game winner last night and Chicago won and they're playing on a back-to-back. Usually when that happens with bad teams, they, they take a loss. And this is – normally this is considered a scheduled win for the Kings. It's considered a, a, a scheduled loss for the Bulls too. But we know how the Kings work, Caleb. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they lose tonight's game. And hey, guess who predicted they lose tonight's game when we did our predictions on Sunday? This guy. All right, let's move on. Let's go to our buy or sell, Caleb's favorite segment. It's all right. It's a, it's a fun segment. I, sometimes I like to, you know, hold or not purchase or just pass on the decision. But Amir gets this aggressiveness towards me whenever I say pass. He, he puts his 
his hands and his fist balled up and he goes, no. And he gets really upset with me. Because it's buy or sell. It's not buy, sell, or hold, or pass. And I'm not trying to have buyer's remorse. I'll save my money. All right, shut up. First up on our buy or sell, expansion will benefit the NBA. I'm going to buy that. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a business mogul or anything like that, but I'm going to buy it because I don't see how adding franchises would really hurt, especially with how much basketball has blown up over the past, what, five years? It, the, the growth the NBA has seen is ridiculous, and I think adding teams will really help benefit them financially, considering how much they've lost last year and this year. Uh, it definitely will help, but I don't know, man. I'm excited. I would love to see two new teams, but it's it's rough because you got to do the whole who do you want your team to protect protect and like the financial stuff with them adding teams, like how much can the team draft into their, you know what I mean, their cap space. There's a lot to think about, but I would say that, yeah, I think it's a good idea. And I'm excited about there being two new teams. Like it'd be fun. Like I'm going to root for them like a closet fan because I want to see those teams figured out. You got to think Charlotte, Still has yet to really figure it out ever since they were an expansion team in 2006. Um, there's a lot to think about, but I would say that an expansion is the right way to go. I can agree with what most of what you're saying. I'm going to buy as well. To play devil's advocate, I want to start off by saying, if you look at expansions, Mark Cuban does bring up a good point. While it's going to cost $2.5 billion for the expansion fee, per team, that's going to equate to $5 billion, which if you divide that up per 30 teams, each owner is going to get around $140 million. So that's really good for the owners, obviously. I'm sure the owners are in need of that money right now, especially with the way everything's going on with COVID. But again, to play devil's advocate, Caleb, if you do that, you realize that adds two more teams to the bucket of money. And by doing that, that means owners are getting less money. And that means while there's going to be more players in the league, players might not be getting as much money either in the future. So we don't know if that's going to be in effect, but I will argue that you brought up a good point. The NBA is only expanding and they're only growing every year. They're getting more and more money. The, the, the value of franchises skyrocket up. Yeah, didn't they say that the starting bid for two expansion teams, for one expansion team, would have been $2.5 billion? Like, that's what the starting yeah, bid Yeah, yeah. If, if you had heard me, I kind of just said that, that the, the fee was going to be $2.5 billion. But sorry, I don't listen to you. I never listen to our podcast. Yeah, we know. We all know that Caleb just sits here and records, and he's like, no, I listen. And I'm like, when? He's like, when I was talking the whole time. That's when I listen. Listen to myself. Shut up. All right. <laughs> if you look at the expansion teams, there, there are some cities that we're looking at right now that have been asking for teams. Now, a certain team that has been begging for a team is the Seattle area and the former Seattle Supersonics. Now, Caleb, how do you feel about Seattle getting a team? Do you agree that they should be on the list I mean, of the two teams? I agree because I feel like the outcry from Seattle has been loud. But here's the thing. Seattle had a chance to really fight for their team. Like, we saw it with the Sacramento Kings when they were going to move to Seattle. A lot of the fans were like, absolutely not. Like, they were very adamant that that's not going to happen. The fans really fought for the Kings, right? Like, they really fought for the Kings. There's actually a really good documentary 
on on YouTube by Carmichael Dave where it talks about like the the fight for the king. And I, I've watched it. It's really good stuff. But then you look at like this, the Sonics. There was like 15 people that showed up to their final game with signs that said, we want to keep our Sonics. Like, I just don't think that the love for basketball is as big as, I don't know. It's hard to go compare those two things. But like, I don't know. I, I think they deserve a team because I don't know who you would give one to over them in another team, which we'll talk about here in a second. But I feel like Seattle's a good enough city to get one back. It's just... It sucks. But I wonder how much fans are really going to support them, knowing that they got ripped away from Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Ibaka, and that finals run in 2012. Lost it, but they made it. Because I can think of another team or another city that, you know, had a championship team move the year they won the championship. Oh, and that, what team is that, Caleb? It would be the city of Pittsburgh. They In 1968, the ABA Pittsburgh Pipers won the first ever championship. Throw it off. Hold on. And they moved to Minnesota the year after they won the championship. So eventually somebody in Pittsburgh said, well, we want a team back. So they bought an ABA franchise, the Pittsburgh Condors. I'm wearing the shirt right now, okay? Stand up. I'm not going to stand up. But listen, immediately after that, nobody showed up to any of the games. And I, I'm, I understand that this was 60 years ago. I'm just curious to see how Sonics fans react to getting a team back, but it's not going to be – like what they lost. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be a, a, it's going to be a long time before Seattle really gets that next stage. I would say if Seattle does get a team, I would love to see them bring in Isaiah Thomas because that's like a low risk, low reward type thing. He's a hometown guy. He would love to play for them. It would be cool. But like, even looking at this, when does Seattle get a team three years down the road? Like yeah, you got to yeah. It's not going to happen anytime soon. And that's yeah. one thing that we're all kind of aware of. They're just kind of – they're laying the groundwork right now for what a potential expansion franchise would look like in a couple of years. So while we are technically getting ready for one, that doesn't mean that one's right around the corner. That doesn't mean that we're going to see one within next year, two years, even three years, possibly even five years. Like this is literally just laying the groundwork for a potential expansion. It's not even guaranteed. Well, I want to go back to what you said about the Sonics and about Seattle – not really fighting for their team in the first place. It, can we talk about the fact that when they lost their team, yeah, there were some fans upset, but the key arena was empty. They were not yeah, supporting their, their final team. game was like nothing. Yeah, they didn't have anyone supporting their team at that point, and it made sense why they left. Sacramento has never not supported their team. They've had the worst owners in sports in the Maloofs that literally cut corners in every way possible because they were losing money year after year and yet Kings fans were showing up year after year they even drafted Jimmer for debt because he was a college star and they knew that that would help ticket sales that's the only reason why they drafted him there's a ton of reasons we can talk about that but the Sonics in Seattle did not fight for anything and and when they were losing their team they were so upset at Thunderfan. They hated the city of Oklahoma, and they talked about how they were backstabbers, how they're stealing teams, blah, blah, blah. Guess what happened? When they announced that the Kings were going to Seattle, the Sonics fans and all of Seattle were celebrating. How hypocritical is that, Caleb, that when you lose your team, you're like, that's not okay. You shouldn't steal somebody else's team. But then when you're hypothetically doing it back, it's all good. Yeah, they're, they're fine with it. The whole situation to me, though, is just like, man – like, when you actually look into how they lost their team, it does suck. Like, it was kind of ripped away from them. Like, the owner promised that he would do everything in his power to keep them in Seattle. Turns out all he did was say, hey, can we have a public-funded new stadium? And they were like, no. 
And then they were like, okay, well, then we're moving. So he really didn't fight for them. But at the same time, the, the fans should have been more vocal about wanting Seattle to stay. Um, I just – and you got to think what they were ripped away from. Like, they lost out on a really fun franchise, right? The, the Thunder, after they left, were, like, really, really fun. Just sucks. I agree with that. Fans. But, again, you brought up how you don't know if their fans would go back. I disagree. I think that they would all of a sudden – start to show up yeah, just like true. they weren't at the end of the years, but I think they took it for granted a little bit. And the fact that they're getting it back, I think that Seattle fans will pack the arena. And I, I think the fact that the Thunder never won a championship is huge because I know a ton of Seattle fans that were so happy for Durant when he won it with the Warriors because they're like, ha, screw Oklahoma City. You guys didn't win anything. If anything, that sweetens it for them because they're like, you got all this and you didn't even win a championship. So I think Seattle fans will show up and I think that's a good destination. If I were to choose one place in the West, I would add that and, and not to add conferences, but if I were to choose one team of the two, I would lock in Seattle. What would you as well? I would definitely lock in Seattle because while sure you might be speculating how their fans would be at the end of the day, they've had an NBA franchise. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of bank on, it'll be safe to put a team there. It's a safe bet. I, I would you know what's funny there. about all this. What? Is guess who did a segment on our Halloween? I told you this? in that segment, I literally said, I don't care if it's realistic or not. I moved the Dallas Mavericks to Pittsburgh for Christ's sake. Mm. That's not even ever going to happen. I mm. just want. I, I wonder want... who talked about that. I wonder who predicted it. Who? Which Me. Podcasters Me. Me. I wrote the se- God. I'm not, I'm not. I wrote the segment and I said, no, Damir. We should talk about what a potential expansion would be. And he said, nah, I don't, I don't think when I, I don't think that would ever happen. I was like, no, nah, I'm here like for real. We should really do it. I sure did enough, never say that. You're just lying to our viewers. Sure, I enough, hate you so much. sure enough, we do it. And then here we are talking about an expansion two months later. No, a month later. We call everything on this show. I just want to let you guys know that. We do. It's true. We really do. We have a fifth sense. And someone say, hey, Caleb and Amir, isn't that a sixth sense? No. The fifth would require smelling, and I don't have that ability to unlock that yet. Because uh, he tested positive for COVID, so he can't smell or taste. Yeah, because Caleb gave me COVID through our last podcast. Moving on, Caleb, who did you have as your second team on that expansion list? Las Vegas. Okay, steal my team again. Let's face it. They've added, they've added what? WNBA, NHL, NFL are Las Vegas Raiders. They've added all these teams, and so far they haven't really seen any financial thing. I know football, they didn't really get to even have fans, but they were sold out of, like, the first, what, all the games. So they did see money. Um, The NBA, plus, I just think that Las Vegas is becoming more of a sports town, right? People are starting to accept that it's a sports town now. That would mess up the conferences a little bit, so you'd have to move one of Minnesota or Memphis to the Eastern Conference, which – I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Minnesota kind of belongs in a conference with the Pacers, Bucks, Pistons, something like that. It, they should all that Great Lakes area should all be intertwined. I, I don't know why Minnesota's playing in the West, but it is what it is. They did add all these different teams. I think Las Vegas can easily, very easily hold an NBA franchise. I for sure think they can support that franchise because Las Vegas is hungry for another team, I think, again. And I feel like they wanted a basketball team. I remember when I was 
a kid, the Maloofs talked about how they wanted to move the Kings to Las Vegas. And at the time it was so ridiculous that people were like, no way, Las Vegas can't get a team. They didn't even have a sports team. People thought, oh, Las Vegas is too big of a distraction and you can't play basketball there. Hey, I even thought that with football for a little bit, but I was wrong. And I think football has been a really good place for them. And, and I think basketball is going to be another great place for them. We've seen it with WNBA Las Vegas Aces. They've had a lot of success there. I think you'll see a lot of success with this Vegas team. Um, I, you mentioned it, Caleb. I spoke to a guy in Vegas about a few months ago, and he told me he was an Uber driver. And I asked him about the Raiders, and he's like, yeah, they've been sold out, and they have a wait list like a long wait list to even get called for tickets. So it's tough to even get into Raider games. I'd imagine it's going to be the same thing for NBA. So that's why I'm going to agree with you on that. What do you think about fans saying that Louisville should get a team? I don't think that Louisville is really a pro sports type town. I think it's more of a college fan base type thing. I don't know if Louisville could support an NBA team. I don't think they would. Kansas City's been brought up before. I don't think Kansas City is really much of an NBA city. Um, what else? Virginia Beach, I've even seen a couple times. Like Virginia Beach uh, would never hold it, never be able to hold these a franchise. Areas just don't seem like they're big NBA towns, big basketball towns. People the have brought thing, up. I will say is Vancouver. I was I, just gonna say Vancouver. I think Vancouver is a great destination, but you're not gonna have Vancouver and Seattle. It's just not gonna happen because nah, they'd be too close. They'd be too yeah, close. they're not gonna do that in you're not going to miss out on a city like Vegas. Now I think the NBA is very intrigued in Vegas. And while there may be some problems in the future, you I mean, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be a problem for now. And, and football has been fine with it. So I don't see Football's why basketball have an issue. Perfectly fine. Except for Josh Jacobs getting a DUI. That's like the only bad thing that's happened, but another city. How do you get a DUI? Okay. Never mind. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up two other cities, Cincinnati people have brought up. I don't, again, I don't think that they could hold an NBA team. Um, but I, I don't disagree that a team should be in that Kentucky area. I, I think a team in Kentucky could do well. Cincinnati's like right in Kentucky, basically. The Cincinnati airport is actually in Kentucky. Did you know that? I didn't no, know. No, and I don't care. So anyways, can you talk about the Pittsburgh area? I think that your Pittsburgh That's what area. I've been. I've been dancing around that. And the, the talk about that, it, all right? While I think we could, I don't think that the fans here are particularly uh, – I don't think that they would like NBA athletes for – some reasons um not going to bring those up because i don't want to get political but i don't think that the pittsburgh area would really like the athletes that the nba has um unless unless they were the dallas mavericks type players you know the white europeans i don't think all right caleb that's it we gotta we you're i'm just saying i don't think pittsburgh as much as i want to see pittsburgh have an nba team i don't think that the people around here would i don't think it would work out here my teams are Seattle and Vegas. Caleb, who do you have? Seattle and Vegas. Those are the teams. I, that's, I feel like that's the team everybody should have. Yeah, I think that my wild card is Vancouver as well. Yeah, I would say it's a wild card for me. I'd say that's my wild card pick. Let's move on to our next one in our buy or sell. Uh, we should be putting in the work. And anytime you put in the work, then you're rewarded with opportunities. And obviously, she's you know, been paying her dues over the last few years. And Coach Pop has given her an opportunity to... Um, you know, first of all, you know, be the coach of the summer league team, um, you know, when she got uh, going with that and then, you know, being an intermediate uh, head coach, if, if, you know, anything ever happened to pop um, tonight was a case where, um, um, where she got to step in and, and show her worth and show her talent, show her, um, uh, her love for the game. And um, 
obviously what she did as a player, first of all, we all know that. And so in her mind, I was able to transform, uh, transfer to over to our league. And she's been great ever since she got in. It's a, you know, it's a beautiful thing just to hear her bark, barking out calls, barking out sets. Um, you know, she's very passionate about the game. So, um, you know, congrats to, uh, to her um, and congrats for our league. There's LeBron James talking about Becky Hammond and the fact that she was able to coach her first game as a head coach for the San Antonio Spurs, filling in for Popovich, who got ejected. Caleb, buy or sell, Becky Hammond will be a successful coach in the NBA at some point. I'm going to purchase that hard. I think that Becky Hammond is going to be a very good coach. Now, what sucks is I saw somebody say that she might not be the first women's head coach in basketball because she might be like the pioneer that people were just too scared to hire. And then there might be someone coming up right after her that people are like, you know what, let's give her a chance, but she better be the first. She, she better. She has what that summer league championship. I understand it's just a summer league championship, but still she was a woman that coached a championship team at an NBA level. I understand that people say it doesn't really count. I know it doesn't really count, but she got that chance and she, went with it and she she did what she was expected to do the spurs for some reason they, they're my pick as a team that would be ballsy enough to go for it you know what i mean that would be ballsy enough to say you know what let's do it i i think they're progressive enough to give her that chance and i think she would do very well in that chance and i'm gonna i'm gonna buy that she would be a good head coach i agree i will buy as well and to me the main thing that's gonna lead to becky's success is gonna be the position they put her in and Whatever job she takes, whether that's Pop leaving and she taking the Spurs head coaching job or whether that's her going somewhere else, I believe Pop's mentoring her and helping her out with that. You mentioned that Becky won the summer league, but I would say that forget that. Let's look at all her other accolades. She's had a ton of accolades as a college player, WNBA player, and Mm -hmm. now as an NBA coach, she's done a hell of a job the past few years. I know a ton of times I've heard um, on the radio where – Pop will be talking to Becky and he'll be like, Becky, write that down, write that down. And, and, and she'll be writing stuff down and they'll be talking to each other a lot. And Pop is that type of coach that really wants to mentor her. And I think he wants to put her in the right situation. And my thing is this, I think if Pop is smart, he's going to wait to get this team developed enough to where they have enough talent and have a future. And then he's going to leave her with that team and, and allow her to have success. Because again, we talked about it. She's a women's coach. She's, She's had so much experience and yet no one hires her. Like Luke Walton has gotten a job over her just because why? Because he stood there for Steph and Draymond and Clay to have career years. Like that's why. And, and that's the sad part. And someone like Becky who has all this experience, who's been in her pop for so many years, she hasn't even gotten a job yet. And she's gotten a ton of interviews, but if she does get the job, we all know that if she fails, no one's ever going to hire uh, her again. That's the thing. That's I think pop realizes that too. Like, if he leaves her right now with this aging roster and young guys who are okay, but you don't really know what they're going to turn out to be. If he leaves her with this and she fails, which possible chance that she would. Probable, I would say, because yeah, people are going to be like, I knew a woman couldn't coach. And it's like, they don't use context. They won't use context. We know this. It'll just be a thing where it's like, okay, well, they tried letting her coach and look how that turned out. We're never hiring a woman coach again. Like, I think Pop realizes that. I think Pop will set her up for success, and I do think that she will be a very good head coach. Agreed. I think Pop has put her in a great position so far, and I think she will continue to have success. Next up, 
Let's go to our last one on our buy or sell. Caleb, the NBA has recently upped their COVID protocols. Um, I don't know if you saw, but two days ago, the NBA decided that before you check into a game, you have to be wearing a mask at all times on the bench. Now, what does that do? Nothing. It's all for optics. Because why do you need to wear a mask when you're on the bench, but you don't need to wear a mask when you're playing? It makes no sense. But again, optics, same thing. Now, here's where it gets tricky, right? Tier one and tier two NBA staff cannot go out anywhere in public without their mask and even indoors they have to be wearing masks so that's a little bit tricky and masking whatever you you, i'm not saying about as far as the masking i'm talking about the the strict protocols on the masking the nba has already have protocols on where players can eat at certain restaurants where they can go to and now guess what they just added caleb they have added sensor devices to players. So players and staff now when they leave will have a sensor device that will show you pretty much a GPS device where the player went. Caleb, buy or sell that these COVID protocols are becoming unjust for players. What's and- next? Needing a license to make non plan, but we're not in the hell no segment. Sorry, sorry, but I'm going to buy this. Um, I think it's tough to really hold these players accountable for this kind of stuff. And plus like Let's go out on a limb here and say that they do make them wear masks, right? The whole entire time in the arena. What what difference does it make if you go out there and play? You know what I mean? Like you're going to, it's going to transmit either way. And it, it, there's, to me, the idea of doing it is literally just for optics saying like, Hey, look, these guys are able to wear masks and, it, but it doesn't matter because they're still going to, if it, if someone has it and they play in an NBA game, everyone they play with is going to have it. When they go to the bench and into the locker room, you think they wear masks when they're in the locker room? Be honest with me. No, and, and, and the protocols of it is fine, but it's like the optics don't even work. The no. optics would work now if the players were wearing masks while they were playing. Like, yeah. that's not realistic, but say that were happening, yeah, if that's for optics and that works. But people that are either anti-maskers like Caleb or other Oh my God, I am not, stop it, take that out. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> or other people that just think that masks are ineffective or think that the NBA is all doing this for a show, you're proving them right because why? Because you're saying that, hey, we only need to wear a mask when we're on the bench, but then when we play, it's perfectly fine. People that either are already in disbelief or whatever are going to be like, well, then how come they can go out there and play without them? That makes no sense. So I agree with you. I'm going to buy as well. I think these COVID protocols are becoming a little extreme. It's starting to feel like jail, and I feel bad for these players. Yeah, we're going to hear about all these you know, old men that are saying, well, they get paid. million to go out. I would get paid $30 million to live their jail. And it's like, well, sure, but you're, you're not good at anything. That's why you say that. So these players that are actually talented have to sit here and they can't see their families. They can only see a certain amount of people. And and those people have to be cleared. It's very difficult that I feel bad for the players that they're pretty much just, you know, like this is not a normal road trip, Caleb, when players go on road trips where they all go out to the clubs and they do whatever mm-hmm. they want. They're stuck in their hotel rooms and they're traveling. And, and that, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that gets tiring and lonely. So I, it, it can't be fun. I, I think the NBA is taking it a little bit extreme, but I get it. it. Look at football, man. Football is having, you just mentioned it earlier. The Browns don't have their head coach. The NBA announced last week that they had zero cases. No players are really getting it. It's just staff. And, but at the same time, it is getting a little extreme, I think. 
Yeah, I agree. All right, Caleb. That's enough for today. We talked a lot. We did our midweekly recap. We'll see you guys on Monday for a new episode covering the rest of the week. All of your super hot five teams. I know Caleb loves that one. And then our favorite, our, what is it, Caleb? Hell no. Our hell no segment will be up on Monday morning. So stay tuned for that. Caleb, what is you want to talk about today while we have a few minutes left for the game? I don't have any minutes. Yeah, you do. You have three minutes. So we can do this in two minutes. He's better than three cheeses right now. Swiss, mozzarella. Is Swiss your number one? Yeah, Swiss, mozzarella, and cheddar. White man knows taste. No difference. (laughs) I'm going Swiss cheese, mozzarella cheese, I guess. And then, shoot, maybe like cheddar cheese? I don't know. Go the same ones as me. Go the same ones as me. Wow, so you not only steal my list and copy off my NBA homework, you also copy off my list for favorite foods, huh? Well, duh. Okay, Caleb. What are your top three animals? Go. Number one, snow leopard. Number two, number two, give me a sea otter. I like the way they look. They're kind of cute. They're kind of funny. Number three, give me a giraffe. I'll take a giraffe. I like the way giraffes look. You got some type of obsession with necks I'm seeing here. There, there seems to be a common theme. What can I say? Give me your now. You're a little weird bones for that, but all right. Um, my three would be... I can't really go as extravagant as you. Um, I would probably go with a Arctic fox. Okay. Um, so we both like animals that are in the Arctic. We like snow leopards and Arctic foxes. Isn't it nice? They live together. Same ecosystem, actually. Okay, I didn't ask, but all right. Um, a snow lion. Is that a thing? That's not a thing. All right, regular lion. I'll take a regular lion. Okay. So, so. So we like things that are in the African climate. We like things that are giraffes and lions, okay? Um, and then, ooh, this one's tough. I'll probably go with a monkey. Okay, so we can get like rainforest type stuff. Okay, yeah, cool. I like that. I'll, I'll take that, yeah. Those are good answers, Amir. Those are really good answers. I like those. Are those my best answers so far of all these podcasts? Yeah, since we started on October 23rd, I, I would say that yes. This is the best answers I've ever gotten out of you. Actually, I'm impressed. I'm I'm dumbfounded right now. I can't believe you went. Hey, Ross, those are really good answers. Really good answers. They really cover a bunch of different ecosystems and subclimates, and I think that you really did well. End the podcast. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in again to another episode, episode number 17. Caleb, we are about to be at episode number 20 in less than two weeks. How excited are you to already be on our 20th episode? I've been excited, Beans. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a ton of fun. All right, don't be weird. I'm talking like a valley girl. I'm talking like a valley girl. Why do you always make things weird? I'm talking like a valley girl. So those podcasts in the world. We'll be doing an ASMR special for our 20th episode. Yes! 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 Oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to you guys real close. Okay, no, never mind. Scratch that. Uh, We appreciate you guys for tuning in once again to another special episode. Caleb is now yelling at me 
on mute because he needs to go watch a Celtics game. So he's telling me to hurry it up. All right, guys, I really do appreciate checking us out. I hope you guys like this podcast. It was a ton of fun to record, and I can't wait to see you again. See you on Monday. Peace. That's two Darius Garlands, right? Now, you want to hear something sickening? You want to hear something actually actually sickening? What? These get a PSA 10. These are like 160 bucks a piece. Isn't that sickening? For who? For Darius Garland. Who would buy a Darius Garland card? This one, Cam Reddish. Ready for this? 150 a piece. All right, guys. Well, that's it for us on this wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Thursday. Um, yeah. Tuesday. Thursday. Thursday. This is just for Thursday. And that's on Thursday. We just ended this podcast. And we did really well. Um, this is the podcast that Caleb and Amir are on. And I am by. I can't end a podcast. I just realized that. Hold on. I hold on. I'm gonna do. It. Wow, that was really bad. I was stuttering. I got real nervous. I got like a dry mouth. I got really scared. I don't know what that was. You good over there? Yeah, I'm good. I think. Welcome back. Why am I saying welcome back? You have to close it. You have to stop recording so I can have the call. Stop! Stop recording so I can have the call!